grace, mercy, and peace are yours through the Triune God. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. My friend Elizabeth loves parades. She has a special place in her heart for small-town parades. You know, the kind that feature the high school marching band, and old cars, and kids' bicycles decorated with streamers. I think that she'd get a kick out of the parade that kicks off the Hector Fair. It's got musicians, sure including a bagpipe contingent. There are baton twirlers and rollerbladers. There are hometown candidates with cute dogs and some poor sap dressed as a furry red cat on the hottest day of the year. There are probably more fire trucks than anyone ever needs to see in one place. But thankfully, there's also an abundance of candy, to be thrown and to be caught by anyone young at heart. It's remarkable, when you think about it, that Jesus decided to throw a parade in the last week of his life. I bet he would laugh with delight to have the rollerbladers lead the way not only because it is an established fact in Scripture that Jesus loves a good party, but also he'd want his followers to stop taking themselves and their ideas about him so seriously. There's a moment in Mark's story of Jesus that comes right before this parade with palm branches. It's a moment when things start to get out of hand. For ten chapters, Jesus has traveled through Galilee in the northern parts of Israel, preaching the good news of God's coming kingdom. Slowly, he has journeyed south, teaching and healing, inching closer to Jerusalem. The moment where things start to get out of hand happens in Jericho, about a day's journey outside Jerusalem. On his way out of town, a man on the side of the road, a poor man who is blind, shouts out to get Jesus' attention. Jesus! Son of David, show me mercy. Jesus, Son of David. 
this man crying out for compassion can't have been the first person to address Jesus as the heir of David, Israel's king of ancient times. Maybe folks had been buzzing with king talk for a while. One person hears about the kingdom of God, they tell their friends, and they tell others. Folks hear king, and now, for the first time in Mark's story of Jesus, we hear it. Jesus, son of David. David, the military leader. David, the unifier. David, God's chosen, to whom God made a promise of posterity. Keep reading, and you'll hear how much disdain Jesus has for this idea of being associated with David. In the temple, he complains, Why do people say that the Messiah is David's son? Psh! Go back and read your psalms. Jesus shows not one bit of interest in David's kingdom, past or future. He is singularly focused on God's kingdom, which is coming into the world, coming soon. What's the best way to squash rumors that you're a king? Make fun of the very idea of kings. Be a king that rides into town, not on a stallion, but on a donkey colt. Throw a parade, but not a Roman military procession full of pomp and the flexing of muscle. No, host a party in the streets. Invite the bagpipers and the baton twirlers. Turn the idea of a triumphant king on its head. If only it had worked. But here come the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, old, old syllables that mean save us, save us. And can you hear the roar of the crowd? Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Maybe the whole affair reminded the people, the people streaming into Jerusalem for the Passover festival, of another parade. One remembered in the scrolls of the prophet Samuel. As the novelist Frederick Beekner tells it, when David captured the uncapturable city of Jerusalem, he cemented his victory by taking the Ark of the Covenant through the city streets. God's covenant chest, that holy box of acacia wood overlaid with gold, which contained who knows what, but was as close as Israel ever officially got to a representation in space of their God who dwelled in eternity. B. 
Beekner continues, David had the ark loaded onto a custom-built cart and made a regular circus parade of it, complete with horns, harps, cymbals, and psalteries. Not to mention himself, high-stepping out front like the mayor of Dublin on St. Patrick's Day. When they finally made it into town, he set up a big tent to keep out the weather, had refreshments passed around on the house, and, just so nobody would forget who was picking up the tab, he did the lion's share of the praying himself and personally took up the collection afterwards. David was a good politician, but he also tried to follow the Eternal One on his own two feet of clay. The Ark of the Covenant lived in a tent, but God's resting place, David reasoned, deserved a temple at least as grand as the king's cedar palace. We heard Gary read God's response. You're not the one to build me a temple, but you are the one whom I choose to build up as a dynasty throughout the generations. The God of heaven and earth doesn't make demands for status symbols, it turns out. The Eternal One makes promises instead. Killian MacDonnell, a Benedictine priest and poet, wryly observes that if God's promise is unfulfilled, it's still God's promise. That is a deceptively simple sentence. If God's promise is unfulfilled, it's still God's promise. After David's unified kingdom broke apart in civil war, the people remembered God made a promise. Almost 500 years later, when David's dynasty lost the throne of Judah to Babylonian conquerors, the people remembered, God made a promise. Almost a thousand years after David paraded the Ark of the Covenant through the streets of Jerusalem, another Jerusalem crowd at another parade remembered, God made a promise. So blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. In this sense, the crowd is right on the money. No matter what anyone says, God's promises hold. God's own choice of king would reign because God is faithful. If only they had known that Jesus wasn't a king like David, not at all. If only they had known that their hopes and dreams for a king to defeat Roman occupying forces would be crushed, 
nailed to a cross, made a public mockery. If only they had known. But Mark's story of Jesus and the sagas of Samuel aren't really about kings and empires at all. They are about the one who makes and keeps promises. The covenant-making God who goes with us every step of the way. The covenant-making God who takes a risk. Think about the Eternal One's promise to David. What a risky commitment God is making with a political leader to live with us in the tension between faith and political engagement, between God's kingdom and human governments. Keep reading David's story, and it will become very clear that God's covenant is not a free pass for the king to do as he pleases. Accountability is part of living in the tension for David and for us. Yes, for us. For the sake of those lives cut short in Boulder and Atlanta especially for the sake of our kids. And even riskier still is what follows after Jesus' parade. God goes with us, even into death itself. Friends, the God of covenant love journeys beside us. This holy week, we remember that. God will join us at our kitchen tables on Thursday when we retell the story of the Last Supper. In Jesus' bread and in his cup, God extends a covenant to us, a covenant of healing, forgiveness, and new life after things fall apart. God will join us on Friday in the rawness of pain and suffering. Because Jesus walks with us, we will walk with Jesus down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. God will never forsake us, even when we shut God's cold, dead body away in a tomb. Trust in God's grace, friends. Trust in a grace that will offer bread and cup, body and soul, for you. Trust in a grace that will go to hell and back again, for you. Trust in a grace whose promise, though unfulfilled to our eyes, stirs the embers of our dying hope nonetheless. For such grace, 
let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, whose goodness does indeed shine on us. Amen. Shall be a man.